Hey guys and welcome back to another episode of Freestyle Lifestyle Podcast with me Nikki B. This episode we are all about health as I sit down and I talk with Ruth Ann who is a Grammy nominated singer-songwriter and fellow endo warrior. In this episode we go into detail about living with a chronic illness called endometriosis. Living with this disease guys oh boy it ain't easy. This disease affects my life and all endo sufferers on a daily basis. Please contact your GP if you have any symptoms or think you have any of the issues that we discussed today. Please also go on to at Endo Ireland on Instagram and check out their account and they have an amazing support system there um, and a website. Please help us spread the word on this illness that affects 1 in 10 women worldwide. Yet, at the age of 33, I had never even heard the word before, never mind know what this disease was. We must fight to get our voices heard and for funding. And in Ireland, we need to fight to get a specialist endometriosis centre open and hopefully one day a cure. So sit back, grab a cup of tea and relax and listen to the fabulous Ruth Ann. So like at what stage uh, did you realise, number one, that you could sing extremely well and number two, that you could write really well, like that this could be could come a career for you? Well, for me, like I always say to people, I it's really weird because I was not getting paid from seven, but I feel like it just was, it was never a choice that I made. It was just always what I did. So it was yeah. always a priority for me from when I was seven, from when I wrote my first song at seven. I just kept writing. I had a mic. I had a shitty mic and a two-track old tape recorder, and I would switch the tapes to do harmonies. And I would, and then so then I started teaching myself piano at twelve, and then I, it went in stages for me. And then I started making beats at like fourteen, and then I I made a girl. But like so for me, I I always have felt like it, not that it's a job, but that it's my career. Even from even before I was getting paid for it, it just this is just what I do. It wasn't yeah. like a decision one day. It just was always what I did, sing and song. And then I think it's interesting because I grew up in Donnemead, um and when I was younger, there'd be these like rough like gangs that would be hanging around, you know, the street corners and whatnot. And I would have, I didn't, I don't think, I don't think I ever really knew. I don't think when you're younger, you know, you're good at something. But obviously, if you're getting praised for it, people would give me money to sing. Like they'd give me like 50p to get extra sweets. Yeah. So for me, it was like, I don't know if I'm any good at this, but yeah. I love doing it and people are going to give me money to go to the shops and get extra sweets. And this is at like 10. So I would have the full confidence. I would be up on McDonald's tables with the hat out. My friends would have the hat out getting money for sweets for us all. Like that was kind of <laughs> just, you know, yeah. I don't think I knew I was actually good. I mean, I probably was terrible. I think I was just quite confident at that age. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's never been about like, if I, for me knowing I was good or not, it was more like, I just love it, and so yeah. I just always wanted to do it. Oh, that's amazing! Um, so you've wrote with some incredible artists. Um, how does it feel like when you first walk into the room with these like very established artists? Is it very daunting, or are you just kind of used to that now, or you know your no, craft I, well enough, you feel confident? No, I definitely, um, I definitely have nerves and anxiety before a session, like with someone with John, like my first session with John Legend, obviously I'm managed by his management, so I'd met him a few times, but to actually write with him and to just be in the room with him yeah. um, is very daunting because then you're like, if I have no ideas and we get stuck, like, you know, you just get scared, like, what if 
writer, it's like, what if today is the day that I've no idea? That you're always yeah. scared of that moment sitting in a session going, oh, I don't know what to say, or if you don't get it on, or if you're not on the same page. Yeah, so the main thing that I try to do is be prepared. So I, I, I really, I listen to artists that I'm going to work with. I see what, where I think they're missing, what type of song they're missing, or what type of song they need, or like because my whole thing is that I'm trying to give them something that maybe they don't have yet, you know, because they're yeah. writing all the time. So, um, and I always come in with titles and I try to think of like, you know, anything I know about their lives. Like for, with John Legend, for instance, that we were writing for Christmas and I immediately thought of him and Chrissy and his kids, even though I, I don't, I have only met his Chrissy like for five seconds, but I was trying to think, okay, what would, what would he want to talk about? And yeah. then I came up with like, there's no place like home because I'm, you know, you stay home. So when I went, walked in the room, it's always, it helps my nerves when I can contribute something straight away and say, how about this title? And then he loved it. And then it's kind of like, he had a melody, I had a, I had a title. And then, and then my nerves go, once I'm there and I'm with the person, my nerves go, but definitely before yeah. I have to, I have to remember like, working with Jennifer Hudson or John Legend or any of those people, I was fans of them growing up yeah. and they were influences of mine. Yeah, so definitely. there is like, after I do a session with someone like that, even though they're like the nicest people ever, I still am a bit like, I, I need a session and I voice note my best friend Jenny at home and I'm like, I just wrote with John Legend, oh my God. And I kind of have my little like, yeah. out. But beforehand, I try and just stay focused and like remember that they're just normal people and yeah. um, but I've been really lucky that a lot of the people I've worked with have been just so lovely to me and, and great to work with so yeah well that's great um so you've got some amazing songs um of your own released um one of my favorites is The Vow um I know yeah. for everybody when they listen to a song it means something different so for me I kind of it makes me think of my parents when I listen to the lyrics Oh, yeah. um, what does that song mean to you or where did that come from or? so that song was written when I was kind of making the transition back from moving from L back from LA to London and I was staying in a friend's house they have this like converted pub and at the time I wasn't seeing anyone and my parents were, were going to be about 43 they were 43 years married wow. and I was thinking of them and and I was speaking to a male friend of mine on the phone and I, he was talking about just pubs in Ireland and my and parents singing together when they're like 90 and all mm. these different things. And so I got off the phone and then that night I wrote, wrote, woke up at about 5 a.m. And I feel like I dreamed the first verse because I immediately sat up at 5 a.m. and wrote down the first verse. So I yeah. was like, it's, something came to me in a dream, I think. Um, and then I wrote a lot of it lyrically and I was looking at it and the main part that I kept coming back to was I will love you and I was like I can't call it that so the next day I brought it into my co-writers who did a lot of my first album Future Cup and I said I might have written like the cheesiest lyrics I don't know if these are good or bad because I write a lot about at the time I was experiencing a lot of heartbreak I didn't really have this unconditional love in a partner it was more like I was thinking of friends and yeah. family but it was like I was writing about what I want to have if you get what I mean that yeah. unconditional love with, with someone so I think that's why it can be for a lot of different people because I wasn't yeah. writing it about like a husband I was writing it about everyone in my life that was that and then also what I hope to find in a husband so basically I read it out to them and I was like is this really cheesy I don't really write love songs <laughs> and they're like this is amazing it's like that's what I would have said to my wife at our wedding. 
yeah. like a vow, and I said, oh, oh, we should call it the vow then. So Perfect. that's yeah. what um, we ended up calling it. And I think the only line that we were iffy about was you are my constant, because I think it had never been said in a song before. So, but that was the magical part about it. And I was like, no, nah. they yeah. went, do you think you should change that? And I was like, no, nah, I'm keeping that. That's, that's actually my favorite, one of my favorite lines special. in it. That's one of my favorite lines. In yeah. Office. And a lot of people who propose, they say it like people who send me videos and they say, you are my constant, like, will you marry me? And it just is like a new way to say it kind of like, um, yeah. so I yeah wrote it and then we both vocaled it. We wrote it and both did it in a day. I mean, in a few hours and, um, yeah, it was my first single and it's been, it's definitely probably the most popular one. Um, with for proposals and weddings and and and, and it's been synced a lot on TV shows and films and stuff. A little cult following, which I love. Yeah. Oh, so. that's so great! It's it well, it deserves it. It's lovely. It's really beautiful. Um, yeah, so I would love to sit here and say that the main thing that we both have in common is we're successful singer-songwriters, but <laughs> unfortunately for me, that is not the case. Um, what we do have in common is a chronic illness called endometriosis. Yes. Now, so a lot of people listening probably and may not have even heard of this condition before because yeah. I know I was 33 when I found out about it and I had never yeah. heard of it before. Um, so I'd love to go back to kind of the start for you of where this condition started to kind of appear or like, yeah, what's your story from the start with it? So yeah, I never knew what it was yeah. growing up all through my, I'm in my early 30s now. I didn't know what it was at all. Never heard of it. Never heard of polycystic ovaries, never heard of fibroids, never heard of endometriosis, never heard of, I mean, for me growing up, it was like, if you look at a boy, you'll get pregnant. So <laughs> it was always more like, don't get pregnant, don't get like, you know, when you're younger, yeah. it's like, wear a condom, don't get pregnant, get on the pill, get on the, you know. And so for me, I never heard of any of that. And, uh, the, the, the first time I actually heard about it was when I happened to stumble upon an interview or something about Halsey talking about it on an American TV show when I lived in LA and she talked about it. But I, again, don't really, that, I only remember that now since I've had it, do you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, I yeah. heard it then. It just kind of like, I was like, oh, that's really hard that she's suffering with that. That sounds horrible, blah, blah, blah. And then it was when actually um, some of my family's members, some of my family members have it. Oh, so okay. about a year before I started having problems, um, one of my family members had it. And um, I was like, you know, she had to have the surgery and everything like that. But she didn't really go into that much about it. And I don't think she had been having, she'd been having painful periods, yeah. which is what a lot of people have. So for me, I, I've, I've been on the concept of pills since I was 16. So for me, my periods would come, I wouldn't even, you know, feel yeah. my periods. So the main thing that started happening to me was when I was, when I turned 30, I was like, I'm going to take a break from the pill. And that, that was when for me, the trouble really started. So okay. I took a break from the pill for like six months and I had like horrendous pains. Like my roommate at the time in LA was like, I had to take days off. I was crippled over with pain. I was like, I have never experienced yeah. periods like this. And, and she was like, oh, yeah, they're, like, really painful. I said, no, but this is, like, I'm having to, I have to cancel work every month for, for six months for those few days. And um, and it was so heavy. I don't know how in detail I'm going to go, but it was so heavy. I was like, this is crazy. I'm, like, a massacre. This is, and I was taking painkillers. It was just really weird. So 
course, I, this is before my family member had it, so I, again, didn't, yeah. know, didn't know that that was a red flag. So I was like, fuck this, I'm going back on the pill. So I went back on the pill to stop the periods from being so bad, and then yeah. they leveled out again, and it was kind of normal. And then about a year later, that's when I started having really bad chronic pain. And mm-hmm. um, so that, like, the end, in 2018, uh, I started having these pains and they started kind of not not all the time just like if you know a week out of the month uh two weeks out of the month and it started getting worse and um I started taking a pain diary because everyone was telling me oh it's probably IBS it's something that you've eaten yeah. and I started feeling like I was bloated a lot of the time like putting on weight that I was like this makes no sense and um, this really hard bloat I started looking pregnant, uh, like mm-hmm. six months pregnant, around the time where it would be the worst I would look about six months pregnant. I would, I would just swell and um, completely out. And, yeah. and I started noticing that too. A lot, of ch- a lot of big changes to my body. I was always quite a like stick thin, bit of, cur- you know what I mean? I was always yeah. quite thin, but I always had a bit of a belly and a boobs, but it started all just going crazy. And I was like, yeah. what's going on? So, and um, I started taking a pain diary because everyone's like, you've IBS, so take a pain diary and take a food diary so that you know what you've eaten. And then um, the pain started getting, uh, like the start of 2019, just unbearable. It was every day. It was every day, every day nonstop. So I would have like a consistent, like dull ache and lower back, my uh, lower abdomen. And when I would walk the walking there was this pain I would get and then I would get these sharp pains you know so there was great you know the you know because you live with it but it's like the range of pains I would have every day but the main one was always this consistent ache and then there'd be sharp pains or they'd be punching kind of thing so I would have I had that every day for I would say three weeks out of every month and that was when I was getting confused because I immediately thought of endometriosis or my family member and had surgery for it but I called her and I said did you have pains like all the time and she's like no I only got really bad like during my pain and I'm like well it can't be that then so I of course you start convincing yourself it could be cancer or it could be a yeah. like I was going mad I didn't understand it at all at first and then um I went to a doctor and she said let's rule out because your family member has had it and and, and it's in your family it could be that it was immediately brought up but she was like but let's search for everything else so we did yeah. smear tests we did std tests we did everything pelvic exams blood tests x-rays of my hip i was going back and forth to the doctor all the time and and as that was happening the pains were just getting more frequent and every day and i'd be in sessions with like niall you know when we wrote mm. nice to meet you his last thing i was in horrendous pain that day wow. i remember being like i don't know how i'm gonna get through this and I would just take painkillers and, and I would just, you know, pretend like I was fine because yeah. you don't want to be sitting in the corner like moaning. But yeah, I had very important writing to do and I was really just, and, and what started happening was I stopped wanting to see friends. I stopped because I just didn't have the fatigue that you feel mm. is just crazy as well. Sorry, yeah. I'm like going on and on. You haven't even asked me. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. great because it's great for people to hear this because it's not spoke about enough. Yeah, you know. Well, I, was, I the minute I st- started living with this, I was like, I'm gonna yell to the mountaintops because when I started researching about endometriosis, because I was convinced, even though everyone was telling me. So let's just also point out, everything came back clear. 
my blood tests were clear. Yeah. My scans were clear. My ultrasound was normal. So everyone is telling me there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. So of course, and people are thinking I'm being dramatic. Oh, well, everyone gets a bad, you know, I, I collapsed uh, working out at the gym. I, I'm sent to the hospital because I collapsed. I would faint. I would feel faint. I would limp out of work. At my, my fiance had to stop me working out because he was like, I can't, this is too dangerous. You know, yeah. my, um, so and that's so, so common for people. Story. It's so common that people are told there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. You when know? I started, we, you know, my doctor, we were, she was like, this just, I can't find anything. Yeah. Um, and that was even more frustrating because you almost feel like, because I would have a three weeks out of every month, that one week that I wouldn't have the pain where I would feel a bit normal. Yeah. And um, I would convince myself, oh, maybe I am making it up. Maybe it's in my imagination. Maybe the pains aren't as bad. And then they would come back and I would be like, no, no this is a real thing because I would have like five to seven days of no pain but what also started becoming crazy huge for me was the fatigue yeah. I mean I was in I was I was going from because I was performing and touring I was going mm-hmm. from literally a robe and a bed in a hotel or at home with my parents when I was in Ireland or here and I was going from a bed with a hot water bottle or lying down on the couch to literally couch robe to like go to the show, do the show, couch row, bed, like couldn't, like everything, my whole life, that whole year was rest and recuperate. Yeah. It being my job. Get in and write the song as fast as you can. This is my other thing. Get in and do it as fast as you can and get home and get rest. That's all I was yeah. thinking about is when can I go rest? Because everything started becoming like walking upstairs was difficult mm-hmm. and like going and hanging with friends was exhausting for me and it just all took its toll on my social life. Um, that must have been um, that must have been very hard mentally as well you know oh, from going I, from I find personally as well going from a yeah. normal life to not being uh, having the energy to walk from one side yeah. of the room to the next and it's like trying to explain that to people as well that know you before it yeah and then and then you're like no seriously you look okay but you're not like it's crazy oh my god I don't think anyone really understood the extent of it except for my fiance because my fiance saw me every day everyone else I'd have makeup on I show up I'm like hey yeah. let's do this I was going to radio interviews with 2FM I was in dire pain singing yeah. so many videos of me online singing and I am like getting punched in the stomach the whole time and trying to and the thing is, is that our lives both became about it because when we yeah. were going to go anywhere, it was like, is there some, like, if we're going to like a party, is there somewhere I can sit? Yeah. Is there going to be, you know, and then I'd give him a look like, I need to go. I'm mm. in too much pain. And he would, I mean, my, my fiance was incredibly supportive. At the start, of course, it was like, are you really in pain or do you just not want to take the bins out? Like, because it just became <laughs> part of our yeah. life so quickly and it, was, I, and it was getting worse and worse and worse. But, you know, when I, when I would call him being like, I've just collapsed, I'm at the hospital, when he, like, he'd be in work or I'd, call, or I'd come back from a workout session and I'd be pale and limping and taken to the bed or having to cancel my day. He was like, this is like really a problem. Yeah. So I would send him, and also mentally every month, I mean, I would have, he would remind me that, because I'd be like, why am I so down? Why am I so depressed? Mm. Like I don't, I'm a happy person. I don't understand because I would just feel... I mean, so down, and he would be like, babe, like, you feel like this every month, do you not remember, there's a pattern here, yeah. and, you know, around my period started becoming the worst time, and I would barely be able to walk, so I started having to look at my calendar in advance, 
because I was still on the pill then and I was able to kind of say okay and there was riding camps I couldn't go to or things I don't want to travel then or there was one time we went to LA last year uh, when I just come and I literally was having a mental breakdown and what's weird is after it after the days of my reading down I would have ups too so it was very difficult to live with me I'm sure I was an absolute like I mean, I mean, I'm crazy anyway. Let's be honest. Every girl has their. I mean, we're all yeah, hormonal. But this was like I would get so dark, and um, it got very dark for me a few times, and that was quite scary yeah. for me. And um, and I, you know, started going. And obviously, I have a therapist and a, mm-hmm. and, a, and a life. I started just seeing people because I was like, I need to figure out. I don't want to because what happens is because I'm I want to live. You know, I'm yeah. I want to live. I love my life. I have a great life. But what happens when you're in chronic pain is that you just want the pain to end. You don't, it's not about anything else. You're just sitting there going, like, for me, I never had crazy suicidal thoughts, but I definitely sat with Ollie sometimes and I was like, I just don't want to exist. And it wasn't, and I would say that in the way of like, I just want the pains to stop. Yeah. And it's the consistency of the pain. It's the consistency of the draining and... Yeah, and the exhaustion. Mm. I was like, honestly, I just, it so, sometimes got so overwhelming. Yeah. I'm putting on clothes and not being able to go. There was a Halloween party we wanted to go to. And I was putting on my outfit and I literally was like crying, looking in the mirror and I was showing him. I'm like, I look six months pregnant. Like, I can't go. Yeah. We didn't, we couldn't go because I was like, I can't, I don't know what's going on. And not having answers when you have it. And I, and I feel lucky because I had two years of this. But I, people have, I mean, I'm sure, yeah. I, I don't even know your story, but I'm sure you were, I mean, people have it for years and they are being told the whole time, oh, period, it's just your period, you're just hormonal, you're just dramatic, you know, yeah. and, oh, you know, and, and they've had this condition, this disease growing in their body. I know, and it does make you feel like, Jesus, am I going a little bit crazy here? Am yes, I really, I, is the pain really uh, bad? And you're like, no, it is, I'm not crazy. So many people made me feel crazy out of love for, you know, just laughing. Like, oh, you're just dramatic. You, you know, you can't handle pain. Believe me, anyone who can live with endometriosis, we are people who can take it. Like someone said to me recently, oh, you won't be able to deal with childbirth because you're, you know, you're dramatic. And I was like, I've handled living with chronic pain for two years. Like, I'm good. Childbirth is going to be nothing for me because (laughs) a lot of people compare the two yes i i have um i have an eight-year-old daughter and sometimes i'm like i feel like i'm in labor it's it's the same yeah yeah you know it's crazy it's just horrendous i i feel like ready to give birth because i feel like i'll give but that's the thing is that like that's why i started speaking about it because i started researching how many people have it there's 200 million women suffering in the world and I think, I can't even remember the stats in Ireland, but I mm. started becoming kind of a student of endometriosis. I started yeah. reading so many articles. Because you have to, you have to know your stuff yeah. because you sometimes you know more than the doctor you're talking to. I find well, that. Well, that's the thing, the doctors didn't know, I just kept going, we don't know. So then what I did was I hunted down a specialist in endometriosis in the UK because I had yeah. done so much research about what was the best surgery. Like, it was getting to the point where I was like, I can't live like this. I can't sustain. My quality of life was was going. Yeah. Uh, and I'm such a sociable person, and I tour, and I need to perform, and it was starting to affect my shows. I was having 
meltdowns before I went on stage because of how I looked in my outfits. I looked pregnant or because I was so exhausted that I didn't know if I would get through the show and so on pain. So I, um, I did it extremely well. I don't think anyone really would have known, uh, you know, from an audience perspective, but inside it, it was difficult for me because you want to enjoy that moments. And so many moments for me when I was going through this were just not enjoyable because all I wanted to do was go to bed or, yeah. well, obviously on stage, I love it, but I just wanted to paint stuff. So it was just yeah. like, you know, so I started researching and I found this, um, this amazing specialist in London where I live now mm-hmm. and Dr. Dennis Tapov. And I went to see him. He was the first doctor, everyone else. When I collapsed um, at the gym and I went to the doctor, the doctor was an, was a doctor and she just went, well, there's nothing I can do for you if it isn't to me. Just here's some painkillers. And that's all I was told. Here's some yeah. painkillers. Just take painkillers. So when I met with him, I cried because he spent two hours with me. He went through, I had brought in my pain diary and my food diary. Oh, by the way, this time I had done, because um, everyone was like, oh, it's obviously your diet. You're eating too much. You have IBS. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. I did a clean uh, food delivery diet. Um to eliminate any food allergies so I did yeah. completely gluten free I was eating a thousand calories a day and I lost weight everywhere except my stomach my stomach would not go down no matter what I did I was yeah. like this is craziness I'm trying every day you know I'm trying so hard I did that for two months thousand calories a day 1200 at most some days and I was still so bloated and so in pain I thought it ain't food no. so anyway I uh, went went to him and I cried because he was the first doctor who immediately took everything I was saying so seriously and was like, I 100% think you have endometriosis. And he did a physical exam on me that day and where after he did the physical exam, I couldn't walk for two days. I was bedridden and because he had to try and feel, it's kind of gross, but he had to try yeah. to feel it. And he said, I feel some endometriosis in, in your bowels, I think. And so he sent me for an MRI. The MRI came back clean. He said, your MRI has come back normal, um, but I still think you have it. I think you have it, and I think every case, because they can't see it. That's what yeah. people don't understand. They can't actually see it on a scan. Um, so if you've been for a scan, and they're like, you don't have it, you could still have it. Yeah. Um, so when I went, so he said, honestly, I said, what, you know, this, I went private, so it's expensive. But he was like, I honestly think you need to go for the surgery. And I said, what if you open me up and there's nothing there? And I'm going, you know. And he said, look, that happens sometimes, but honestly, I felt someone, I think there's some there, even if yeah. it's only a little bit. So I opted to have the surgery, and he said, let's have a date in your head that you've something to look forward to, the end of the pain, hopefully. Yeah. So we set a date, um, November 15th, 14th last year, because I had just released an album, so I was like, I have to wait a few months to do all my promo in pain, and then I was like, I can do it before Christmas, this is fine. So we we did this when I did the surgery I was he said to my fiance I think I'll be done in an hour 45 minutes to an hour I think it's a mild case she has and I was four hours almost four hours and mm. my my boyfriend at the two my boyfriend's time he was like just dying like he was texting mm. my parents like I think something is wrong she's been four hours and um, and then the next day the next morning in hospital, he came in and said, you have stage three and four, very, very bad endometriosis, all of your bowels, pelvis, bladder. Fortunately for me, my ovaries were fine. There was some on that side, but my fallopian tubes were blocked. Um, but he, yeah, 
yeah, so he spent, like, he cut it all out, and I, I opted for the wide excision surgery, because yeah. I've heard so many nightmare stories about the laser surgery and the ablation surgery, mm-hmm. which they're actually trying to put a stop to that surgery, it shouldn't be being done, um, because people who get that need to have six or seven, because then it's just, it just burns off the top, yeah. it doesn't get to the root. Sorry, I'm trying to get like a million things and I'm speaking a mile a minute, but it's yeah, just so I know, important that people know. Great, yeah. And so I opted for that and it honestly saved my life. Absolutely. And I can kind of really relate to all of that because I had my surgery on the 7th of November, so not too long before oh, you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but unfortunately in Ireland, there's no speci- uh, specialist in excision here. So I didn't have that um, and I'm yeah. still to meet with my consultant to kind of really understand what has happened um, so How I know since the surgery well I, I met somebody in his team who didn't seem to really understand what had kind of happened and it was a different story to what I was told straight after my surgery and I was told it was on my bowel and I could need bowel surgery and because it's coronavirus now I'm still kind of waiting to know if I need another surgery right yeah yeah so it's so it's hard it's hard in Ireland at the minute it is that's why we need to talk about it that's why I you know I've been you know um trying to talk like talking to endo our Ireland yeah um I did that picture Mm, because I was like people need to I was sick of people making me feel like it wasn't that big of, it wasn't like, I was being dramatic and it wasn't real. Yeah. When I got my surgery and I got my diagnosis and I, it was finally some answers, like, you yeah. do have this, it was, yeah. no, I cried. Such I relief, my, you're like, oh my God. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, my, I was validated, I wasn't crazy, I wasn't making it up, this was a real thing and I watched the video, he showed me the video of it and it's like he's everywhere and wow. I just thought, wow, well, my poor body was so inflamed yeah. and so fighting this, crazy thing and so when I started recovering which the recovery is is not easy either and yeah. um, but honestly the pain recovering was so much less than what I had had so he had said to me that if I didn't get if I had left this I would have needed my bowel removed yeah so I was so lucky that I had gotten the surgery when I did but um since like literally about two weeks after surgery the exhaustion that I've been feeling and the melting head mentally, anxiousness, depression, all of it lifted. It was like a monster left my, I, I actually felt like I could feel something lifting away. And like that very depressed anxiousness was not there anymore. I still have, everyone deals with their own shit, but I still yeah. have like, you know, moments of anxiety and moments mm-hmm. of being a girl and especially with this coronavirus being over emotional. Yeah. But that very dark, Depression that I was getting every month was gone, and the lower back pain was gone. And I could. And the other thing was, we went to see Michael Bublé like in December, and I could walk, mm. and I wasn't dreading walking up the stairs. You know, in those arenas when it's like yeah. always a big long walk, I was like, I can walk, and I was like, I can't believe how much this has changed my life. And so, if anyone out there is considering surgery, please. I know it's really difficult in Ireland, but if you need mm. to fly to the UK, yeah. there are so many specialists here. I also heard, um, I was talking to a woman on the Elaine show who told me that there's a UK surgeon um, it, who's, sorry, 
Christian surgeon who's going to start up a practice in Ireland because he oh, sees wow. there's so many women coming to him from Ireland. So yeah. keep, I'll keep you posted on that. Absolutely, and that'd be incredible. We need yeah, it we so need bad. A center, yeah, we need a centre of excellence here in Ireland for because what what I what I the other reason why I wanted to speak about it is because I it really upsets me that my family members had to find out about this because they were trying to have children yeah. like the, the fertility element is why a lot of people end up finding it because yeah. people are having fertility issues miscarriages and can't the egg won't implant or or you know all this mm. and then it's like okay we'll go in and look and then they find endometriosis and then sometimes for some people heartbreakingly it's too late and yeah. it wasn't found on time and luckily my family my my family members have all had kids and everything but like you know, to, to have to go through the heartbreak of having fertility issues and not know why and feel that, like you, like, I know a lot of women feel like they're a failure when they, and, and it's just not the case. There are things going on in your body that you don't even know and that we don't even understand and that also we're not educated about. So mm. my whole goal and why I did the picture for International Women's Day is because I want this spoken about. I want yeah. people to look at it and go, oh my God, is that really what it feels like? I want yeah. other women to see it and spread it who do have it because people, we need to fight for it. Schools being educated, we need to know from a younger age what endometriosis is, what polycystic ovaries is, what fibroids are, what how what adenomyosis is, which is another condition, a yeah. sister condition to endometriosis. We need to know these things when we are younger so that we are aware of them. When we are starting to have these pains, we immediately go, right, I'm going to go. Because so many of my friends, since I've had it, and told them what it is because they didn't know what it was. They've gone, one of my friends is literally gone for an ultrasound for endometriosis because she's been having pains. Another one of my friends is like, I have a really painful period where I literally am like nauseous and yeah. vomiting. Go to go into a gynecologist. Like, we have to, we should be educated about women's health from a way younger age, from I, I think from 15 on, from whatever age you're able to have sex actually in yeah. school, we need to understand what this is about because it's heartbreaking to me that at 30, 33, 34, 35, 36, when you're planning a family, you don't know that in your body something might have been growing that you might not have the symptoms that I had or you or everyone's, yeah. it's a case by case thing and, and you don't know you have it and you're having fertility issues it sets you back years, so much pain, so many painful moments, and so many women have reached out to me with the most heartbreaking stories, and yeah. um, that it really upsets me so much that I'm like, I have to do something, yeah. like, I'm a musician, I'm a singer and an artist, obviously that's my, but if I can do anything to help uh, anyone with this disease, like, I, it's my, it's one of, it's like my priority now. Yeah. And I remember seeing your post that you put up about it and I just was so not happy but to see someone talking about it and I was like, everything you wrote, I was like, oh my God, that's me, that's me. And I just had my surgery as well and I could just relate to it. And to have someone speak about it in the public and then have other people in the public kind of respond to you in your comments, it was just amazing. And I think as well, there's such an amazing online community I know for me, I got so much information and support. Yeah. It's it's amazing, you know. When you when you have it, you realize, like at the start, it's like, oh, none of my friends knew it, and so I'm like, oh my god, I felt very alone. Yeah. But as soon as I started looking online, I was finding endo warriors everywhere. Yeah. I was finding associations. I was finding, you know, there's there is we are a for we 
are together, we are forced, and everyone that wrote to me with their stories, it helped me feel better because I wasn't didn't feel alone. Like yeah. you said, it's like you need those stories helps me. Yeah. Looking at Halsey, Lena, Lena Dunham also speaks about it. Julianne Hoff has spoken about it. Like all these women coming forward to talk about it helps our case because we we need to fight to get it. First of all, I don't know if it's um, class and disability in Ireland, but it should be. Yeah. Um, in England, I think it is. Um, in America, they've passed a bill for it to be taught and educated in schools in New York and some states. So my next move, like actually what's so crazy is right around the time of coronavirus, I was set to meet with my local TD um, in Donamede when I was home next, which was going to be in March, yeah. to speak to him about um, endometriosis and how we can get the parliament and everything involved. And I was going to meet with Endo Ireland and I was actually meant to be going on um, because of that picture, Ireland AM and the bunch of yeah. different media outlets to speak about it. But when coronavirus hit, I couldn't get home. Um, I also felt like, okay, the time with everything else going on, you know, it might need to take a back seat. But I, as soon as I'm able to speak about it more and we can do our march that we were meant to do in March, yes. um, yeah, I'm just going to keep going. I mean, this is going to be um, a massive priority for me to get some changes made to how we are treated and yeah. um, with the wide excision surgery and specialists getting specialists in Ireland and mm. um, educating people about it. Yeah and education is a big one for me because as I said I have an eight-year-old daughter and I don't yeah. want her growing up in a world where women can't speak about their pain because I know personally I said nothing for a few months thinking shit's grand it will just go away it's probably yeah. just you know sometimes you I've read, like obviously you Google your symptoms, which you're not meant to, but I read if you put weight on and you lose a bit, that your periods can go a bit funny, and I thought that was what was happening with me. So I didn't even yeah. say anything to my family or friends for a while, and it's the thing that if I had a headache or hurt my leg, I would have told everybody straight away, but because yeah, it's period-related, yeah. I felt like, you know, it's like you can't just say to like, a friend like that you kind of know, oh yeah, my periods are driving me crazy. Because it's not no. spoke about, it's just... Or it's not, and also what is hard is, I always said to people, if I had crutches or a wheelchair, um, people would probably, but I would be going onto the tube, and I would have to take, you know the priority seat sometimes? Yeah. I have to take that seat sometimes, because I was like, I'm going to faint, I, I need to sit down. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people were looking at me going, why is that woman sitting in that seat? Now, obviously, if an old person came on, I would give, I would be like, okay, I'll stand up, but... I literally would take that seat. I, I thought a lot of the time they might have thought I was pregnant, but I was like, I have to because yeah. I literally cannot. And I think that um, what's hard is that people don't, they look at you and I'd be telling people, oh, I've got these pains and they'd be looking at me going, but you look, sure you look great. Yeah. And you sang great. My manager <laughs> team were like, you sang great. I'm like, that's not the point. I'm dying. Yeah, so, I know. I have, I would have a lot of kind of, so I would have been diagnosed with IBS first, which a lot of women yeah. do get. And because obviously from my surgery it is on my bowel, um, yeah. I would use the sometimes the disability toilets in places because literally sometimes I just have to dash for the toilet. I could be oh, in Asda or somewhere and I'm like, oh my God, I need to go to the toilet. And yeah. that is a huge issue for me. And I can see people looking at me and sometimes I'd bring my daughter with me so it looks like I'm bringing her to the toilet. But, you know, it's those weird little yeah. things that are just... And obviously you don't spoken about when it's on your bowel it, mm. it causes I mean I've, and even recovering was very tough and um, with the it's just it's and the thing is is that women go through so much with child labor and our hormones 
And then when you go through endometriosis, I mean, I just salute anybody living with it. I honestly think yeah. that anyone living with this condition and having, and raising, I mean, you with a child, like, I was so selfish when I had it because I had to be because I was so in pain that I had to put myself I can't even imagine like my family members who have it that have kids I'm like you are you know they're trying to nap because they're so exhausted mm-hmm. they're in pain I'm like you guys are real superheroes to me because I am superwomen because I can't imagine what it's like having to raise a family and work and also have this condition like I honestly yeah. take my hand off I mean you. you do feel so guilty like there's been mornings so before, prior to my surgery, I wouldn't have been able to bring my daughter to the school bus, which is literally a two-minute drive from our house. Like, I couldn't go because I, I had to go to the bathroom. Like, that is yeah. just... You just I'm sit so there and you think, how is this my life now, you know? I You're know, just... I literally... Because I, I, my, me and my fiancé were talking about this, like, before I had endometriosis. I mean, I was like... I put so much energy and it, you know, he would joke sometimes, you're like a 90 year old woman, like a joke, but it honestly felt that way. And yeah. I felt bad on him. I feel bad on anyone that has to like, yeah. you feel a bit of a burden sometimes. Me. Yeah. You do feel a bit of a burden to people. Yeah. That, like, I, often, I felt a burden the whole year yeah. to everyone. And that was also really tough. But then when I kind of released my video talking about it, I got so many friends and family champion. Like I had no idea that you were suffering this much. Mm. And people have been very understanding and, and, and empathetic. And I think that that's why it's important to speak. It's not about sympathy. It's no. about making people around you aware of what you're going through yeah. so that they know better how to, you know what I mean, how to be with you. And yeah. and, and so I, I got so much support. And now I feel like my life is, well, except for the whole pandemic, my life started getting back to normal. And, amazing. and you know, the recovery was tough. I went yeah. to L.A., um, it was tough on my bowels, the recovery, but now I feel so much better. And now I'm waiting for, the, now we've obviously, obviously dealing with the pandemic, but I'm, but I feel more back to myself, which is great. That's amazing. And it's, you know, people, women who are listening, you're just, you're so happy to hear when the surgeries have worked for people. You're just, it's like, it's genuine happiness to, th- to know that your life well, has got better. You well, know? also to note though, that very soon after my surgery, I noticed that certain things would make me have pains food-wise, and okay. I don't know if it was just for me, but if mm. alcohol for me, I, like I've had to change my eating habits. If yeah. I have too much dairy, too much sugar, too much gluten, like I'm, I'm kind of gluten. I'm mainly gluten-free now. I have the odd, you know, ice cream here and there, but I'm mainly yeah. gluten-free and gluten-free pita bread, gluten-free even pizza bases, and gluten-free biscuits, like everything like that. Um, and I've, I've decided to go clean because I read a lot of books were talking about how actually your diet can help. It doesn't get rid of intermittent, but it helps yeah. reduce the inflammation. So for me, I don't drink alcohol anymore, which is fine because I'm a singer. But I yeah. noticed like when I recovered, I was like, yeah, drink. And I said, and I would, I would, I would get pains really badly. Mm. And I thought, okay, we're not, I'm not completely out of the woods. Yeah. It's up to me to take care of my body now and and, be, and eat clean and, and, and look after myself. Yeah. But um, I'm at the moment, I'm pain-free. Obviously, it's a lifelong condition and my surgeon yeah. has made it clear to me, look, I think we have two or three years here where we we may need, you know, you may need another surgery in five years. And I've, you know, come off birth control because I, I don't like 
personally that it suppressed the symptoms for so long. I think yeah, I would they wouldn't have got as bad if I knew about it sooner. Yeah. But um, for me, like it's look, I, I'm living with it at the moment. I'm pain free and I'm just enjoying every minute of that that I can. Yeah. And if it comes back, I'll do, we'll deal with it then. And how did you find the the change over to the gluten free? Because I literally have just started about two weeks ago. Um, I love it. You yeah. know, it's the, it, there's never been a better time. If this was ten years ago, everywhere you go now, in, over here in Sainsbury's and Tesco, there are gluten free aisles, vegan aisles. So you literally don't have to go searching like for each item. They have yeah. I don't know what it's like in Ireland, but they have like full aisles here of yeah. gluten free. So once you start doing it, like the gluten free pitas are um, everything tastes amazing gluten-free pizzas we've had um the only thing that i can't find in a like cheese i love cheese so Mm. it's tough to find a nice vegan cheese but i still eat chicken and i don't eat red meat um so like like there's the i'll tell you who's amazing for this stuff linda mccartney's um vegetarian uh burgers taste exactly like burgers like when you're having it you think you're having a quarter pounder there's brioche buns that are gluten-free. There's an amazing fruit-from range that I love of, like, but a buckwheat is a, I use this for my pasta now. I mean, you don't really, honestly, you don't really notice the difference. Yeah. When you start eating it, it all tastes the same. Yeah. You're like, this all tastes the same. And these days, people are developing such close-tasting stuff. I've even started using gluten-free flour in scones and in okay. breads that I make. And difference yeah well, that's great because i've literally just started so it's kind of yeah because i can't get into the shops um oh, so I i'm know. like doing online sort of like asda shopping because it's kind of the best i can kind of gluten free range we'll keep, so keep going with it because i do think it makes a difference yeah i think so too what about exercise for you is that something that you've been able to get back exercise into yet or for me. I yeah think i was traumatized you know, obviously, when I went to see my therapist after, and she's a, she specialises in endometriosis, she said, look, oh, this is going to be a tough year. It's not mm. going to be tough in the way of the chronic pain. It's going to be tough because you're traumatised from having pain and living mm. with pain. And going back to trying to do exercise when you were so... I was so deflated last year trying to exercise because mm. I was in so much pain that it really put me off and it quite, like, traumatised me. So I start starting very slow. So for me, because after surgery have scar tissue that's healing it's not as easy as like the pains from the endometriosis are gone but then you can have scar tissue pain so it's not as yeah. it's a, it's just process basically and I'm uh, I'm only starting to feel I mean my surgery in November I'm only starting to feel like the scar tissue is calming down now so for me it's like I I've been more doing walking I have we got a puppy at the very oh beginning my gosh. of lockdown your puppy I'm in love with him Ruby oh. yeah and Ruby Ru and so we um we take her for two walks a day yeah. and that's been amazing because uh, I we walk in the morning with her and then we go to the park and we do like a full kind of run around with her and walking. So for me, I've kind of been taking it slow. I've been doing some Pilates here and there on the mat, some yoga on the mat, like more just stretching. Yeah. And, um, but cardio for me is going to be the toughest um, and with the pandemic and everything, obviously that's made it even tougher. So yeah. for me, I'm just, I'm trying to keep active but I when I spoke to my therapist she said I I before the lockdown also I had to start physiotherapy for my bowels because my doctor like when you have um surgery on your bowels they're not very happy about it your bowels don't like that so I've had to I started going for physiotherapy once a week but then with the pandemic all my treatments had stopped and so the physiotherapy was really helpful Mm. and and 
so I'm, I'm hoping to get back to that when I, so like, when you have endometriosis, it's not as easy as like you get to, that's the other thing I want to make clear, it's not as easy as you get to surgery and then your life returns to normal. Yeah. I am having to change my entire diet, so I can't drink alcohol, and I'm in, I have to be in physiotherapy, and also, there's intimacy stuff with your partner that you have to get through after surgery, and there's those type of things, just being very open about it, like, yeah. it's not as easy as just like, boom, we're back, like, mm-hmm. everything's fine, it's a process, it's a disease that you're living with, but I, it's, I'm, it's not life-threatening, and I'm yeah. so happy that I'm alive, and it's I can deal with it, and I found ways to deal with it. So it's just about finding your own routine and your own your own ex- like what you can manage is enough. And yeah. if you're and listen to your body, and if you're exhausted, stop. And I like that now. I, if it's too much for me, I stop. Like I had a really bad back the other day, and I was like, it must have been from all the weird. Oh, we've been biking. I've been biking a bit. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna rest for a few days now. You know, so I just kind of listen to my body. I, I'm yeah. not in, I'm not in competition with anyone. I'm just trying to have a healthy life, and that's all that us endometriosis warriors can hope for is just to have, uh, is to be able to manage it. You know, yeah, definitely. And I, I've noticed um, a few women that I speak to on Instagram who were due to actually go to England for their surgery in the middle of March, and it's been cancelled. And now they're, they're just left waiting, and I just feel because I waited a year for my surgery over here, and God, so to have it cancelled like a week before mentally, that would just be so tough. Oh, so. And, but I've gotten messages from people, and I've been trying to like write back to people, and it's been I feel so, so awful. I feel I really feel so awful for people who have to wait for their surgeries. I feel awful for anyone kind of who's waiting to get fertility treatments too, because I yeah. know they've all been put on pause and everything like that so it's yeah it's just all a bit of a nightmare at the moment but look we're gonna get through it yeah um so if so with your surgery would you have any tips for anybody who when they do actually get in and have the surgery have you any products or anything that just helped you get through those like those days and weeks after directly after the recovery yeah um morphine (laughs) all the drugs morphine was a big one for anyone who's had the surgery, you know what I'm talking about. Because yeah. um, you're, you know, the pain, having the morphine is good. What else did I have? Oh, I can't remember what else I had. Um, what did I do? Well, oh, I had um, bio oil for my scars. Okay, yeah. That's good. Rubbing bio oil in your scars help to, helps to, like, um, like, get rid of them earlier. I don't know why I still have them, but, like, it just, like, I just rub one bio oil on them and um, I think that I just rested after my surgery just watch loads of shows and and yeah. um, watch loads of tv sorry my puppy is starting to act up now <laughs> watch loads of tv and movies and just rest I kind of just rested do you remember what I did during my surgery any products I used after oh he's got his earphones in never mind <laughs> um, and then I basically loaded up on books so mm-hmm. I had okay. during my recovery actually I read a lot of endometriosis books so there's one by Dr. Andrew Cook okay and um it's an amazing oh I can't remember the name of it it's called the endometriosis diet I think and the endometriosis by Dr. Andrew Cook he's amazing he is um he's an amazing doctor to follow on Instagram as well it's it's vital endometriosis I think is his name and I started reading his book about recovery and what to start eating and stuff like that so the main thing for me was implementing the diet changes yeah okay they're they're great books I'm actually gonna Good, it's a good yeah. time now during the lockdown to order a few of these and kind of listen. And actually, do you remember that show, Sister, Sister? You yes. Remember those twins? 
Tia Tamara. So one of uh, Tia, she has it. She did a food book where she makes like cauliflower based pizzas and yummy desserts for like she does a whole anti it's a basically an anti-inflammatory diet and she has a book as well a whole new you it's called really good too and mm. um, yeah and there's another book i love that i there's a company over here called detox kitchen and they do all clean eating and their recipes yes. are delicious and you can order the book on amazon all these books are on amazon yeah very good so if there's anybody listening who is thinking oh my god that sounds like me what would be the first step? What would you tell them to do? The main thing is, is start researching. Um, as in, if you think it's endometriosis, watch videos about it. Because start to see if you fall into any of those cases. Go to see your doctor. Go to see a gyne- your, your gynecologist or whoever can do physical exams. For me, I would seek out a... I know there's very few specialists, but I know there is some specialists in Ireland. Find those people and immediately go to your doctor and say, and, and I always thought, but I fought to tell people there's endometriosis. So when I would go to the doctor, I'd be like, I definitely have endometriosis. If you are, if you need to fight. If you think you yeah. have it, fight to get heard. Fight to get the treatment. And figure out what's the best treatment for you. Because for some people, when they're younger, they might, I mean, I personally opted for the surgery. Some people might not want to do that, and they might want to go on the pill. Some people want to go on the pill to suppress it. Yeah. Um, so you have to find what works for you. Personally, if I, could, if I stayed on the pill, I would have lost my bowel. So I'm glad that that isn't yeah. what I want. But I had been on it for 16 years. So mm-hmm. um, so it obviously did suppress it for a while. So, yeah, I think just see a doctor because I'm not a doctor. So yeah. I don't want to ever kind of say and um, seek out, seek medical profession. And yeah. if you want to fly to the UK when you can, Dr. Dennis Tapov at the Harley Street Endometriosis Clinic is uh, saved my life. So, yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, look, I am so happy that you could spend this time with me this morning and talk through this endometriosis journey, which is crazy for any woman who yeah. comes up against it. And um, yeah, it's been amazing to talk to you. So lovely to chat to you. And um, thank you so much. And to all the endo warriors, endo, I always get strong. Uh, to all the endo warriors out there, I'm here. My Instagram is at this history band with an E. Come chat to me. I'm always here. And to you congratulations on surviving and thriving and having a podcast having thank you an amazing being an amazing woman and and thank you for bringing this further to light and speaking about it because we have to stick together yes so thank you so much thank you so much to the lovely Ruth Ann for coming on and talking to us so openly and honest about living with endometriosis that is not easy um As I said at the start of the show, please go to your GP if you think you may have endometriosis or have any weird symptoms around your periods. I know it's not something that we like to discuss very often, but it is your health and it is really important that you do so. And when you go to your GP, push, 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 tell them you want to go for a scan, go for an ultrasound, MRIs, whatever you want, make sure it happens and look after you. As always, thanks so much for listening and I will talk to you all soon.